0: In modern terms, the idea of wokeness has to do with being highly tuned into a certain set of issues on the political left. It's used as a compliment on one end of the spectrum politically and as kind of a a derogatory term on the other end of the spectrum politically. But the origins of that term actually go back all the way to post-emancipation times. The first recorded use of the term about being woke was used among black people some decades after the end of slavery with the idea of being aware of the dangers in certain places where it was not safe for them to go. That's the original origin of the term. So for example, somebody was going somewhere that wasn't safe for them to be at, they'd say, hey, you better stay you're. don't get into a bad situation, but I'm going to argue that that's not, that's not even the earliest use of this term, because the idea, I think, goes back at least as far as Jesus, and we're going to see in today's passage where Jesus talks about getting woke, or at least being awake, although not the way that term has come into modern usage. This morning we're going to be in Mark 13, and Mark 13 occurs in the last week of Jesus' ministry, as he and the disciples are they're leaving the temple area. You know they've been in the temple area for the last week, um, and they're leaving. And they look at the temple. And if you know anything about Mark 13 or Matthew 24 or Luke 21, you know that the disciples look at the temple. And of course, the second temple is magnificent. And they're like, look at how magnificent the temple is. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, it's great. But you know what? There's going to come a time when not a single stone in this temple is, you know, standing. It's going to all go. And so they ask him, well, tell us about what, what this is going to be. What are the signs of the end of the age and that sort of thing. And so this is a discourse where Jesus explains what's going to happen in the end times and before his return to set up his kingdom and to bring judgment. It is mark's version of what is commonly called the olivet discourse because according to verse 3 in mark 13 and according to matthew 24 and luke 21 this discourse this teaching of jesus happens on the mount of olives which is just outside of jerusalem and you can read the same you know slightly altered version different version of this in matthew 24 as well as luke 21 But the part we're going to consider this morning, we're just going to look at a short part of it. It would take me many weeks to walk you through. In fact, when we were doing our adult Bible study on Wednesday nights, we have been working for the Matthew 24 version of this text, and we spent the whole first part of the year, and we've got lots more to go. There's a lot there. But we are going to look um, after Jesus has given them all these signs. He's talking about all these things that are going to happen, and what to look for, and all that. And he explained all these things that have to happen um, and that sort of thing. And then he says this, starting in verse 32. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know. So this is the first of several times in this passage Jesus is going to use the word awake. Now it's in the imperative, okay, it's in the kind of an imperative mood where he wants you to keep staying awake. Stay awake! Or if you're not awake, get woke. He wants us to be aware, the first thing he wants us to be awake about here is, is what's going on around us. Now, because no one knows the exact timing of when the end is coming. Jesus' first command to keep awake has to do with staying awake with regards to what is going on around us. That's why he tells them to be awake. You don't know the day or the hour, so you better stay awake. You better be watching what's going on around you. Now when he says this, this idea that no one knows the day or the hour, it is not as commonly thought of. Because all of a sudden, without warning, you're going to be standing outside one day, You're going to be mowing the lawn, okay? And Jesus is going to suddenly show up, and you're going to be like, Whoa, didn't see that coming. Jesus already told them, and therefore us, a whole variety of things, 30 verses worth of stuff to be watching for leading up to the final events of his return. Now why would he give us that? Why would he say that? Why would he give information and say, stay awake and be watching, okay? And give us all this, these, stuff, these things that are gonna happen, you know, when you see the armies around Jerusalem and when there's war, earthquakes, and when there's this and when there's that, you, know, you can go read it for yourself, whatever. <laughs> why? Why would he have told us all that? So that we can just ignore it something magically pop in all of a sudden without warning. Let me tell you, all these things that gotta happen before my coming, oh and by the way, surprise! No, that's senseless. He's telling us to be awake and to be watching because he's told us to be watching out. You gotta be aware of what's going on around us. Why does he tell us to be awake? Because you know what? We're easily distracted. Anybody else feel that? Yeah. Zach? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I have all the notifications for email and social media turned off on my phone. I mean, it's not that I can't get that stuff. But I can. But the notifications are turned off. Because otherwise, I would have my phone up every three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Right, all the time, because I'm a popular guy, so I get a lot of them all the last annoying. So if I didn't have them all off, I'd get distracted. I didn't have somebody posted something on Facebook, or I got an email, or whatever I'd be like. Life's like that. A lot of stuff vying for our attention. A lot of people who would like to distract us from what's really going on by getting our attention Going elsewhere. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm just a, loo- a Looney Tunes. It's possible. I mean, some of you know me long enough to judge that better than I can probably. My mom's nodding yes. So, um, <laughs> but you know, whenever whenever I see, like I said, I I, I get it, but I'm probably far away. Whenever I see a, some sort of story on the news, and it's like on every network. First thing I think is what are they trying to distract me from? What's really going on? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just my lack of trust in such So one of the reasons we have to stay awake to what's going on around us is we don't really tend to know the significance of some events until after they have played out. And if we weren't paying attention, we would have missed it entirely until much later. Give you an example of this from history. When Martin Luther posted his 95 Theses on the church door in Wittenberg, right? And I realize when I say that, maybe you've read somewhere that some historians dispute if he actually posted them actually on the door of Wittenberg or if they were published another way. You know what? I don't know. I sure hope he actually nailed it in the door because that would okay. be awesome. That'd be so cool. Yeah. But I don't think anyone, even Luther, would have possibly imagined the upheaval that was going to result from the coming Reformation. He was not trying to upend the entire European world. That wasn't his plan. He just wanted to see the clergy and their corrupted practices and the church get back to the gospel. Not just church history, but the entire history of Western civilization takes a dramatic turn because of the events a lot of which began with Luther. But I guarantee you at the time, you would not have known that. This is even true in our personal lives. Not historically, right? It takes time looking back. You've got to be really watching for what's going on to know even in your own life what's really significant. I I would have never guessed at the time that going to help my friend Ben Brown with his youth group in 1995, one night, would have so radically changed my life. Because it was that night I met Jen. Awesome. Aww. And eight months later we were married. A very good week. And then, right? <laughs> but she didn't realize how radically it would change her life either. <laughs> this is one of the reasons journaling is a great spiritual discipline. Keeping a record of events and things that happen in our lives and kind of musings on them and that sort of thing helps us connect the dots of how God is working, whether that's in our lives or whether that's in history or whatever. So we can be awake to what he's up to, and even what he's up to in our world. Got to be paying attention to the here and now, both personally and historically. You need to Be aware. Now, that doesn't mean you have to become some sort of news and politics junkie, okay? That'll probably just make you depressed. It does mean we all need to have a basic awareness of world events, especially as they might play out biblically in biblically relevant areas of the world. For example, if you remember back at the end of last year, before Advent, if you remember my, <laughs> I got y'all thinking last year. I don't remember the last week. we we'll You remember that we have a short little series, three weeks on Ezekiel 38 and 39, right? When I was doing the series on Ezekiel, the highlights of Ezekiel. And you'll recall from that series on Ezekiel 38 and 39 back in the day, that most of the major players that aren't Israel in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are from the region that we now call Turkey. Knowing what is going on in Turkey is probably at least as significant at this point as knowing what is happening in Ukraine. Now everybody's all yabba dabba do about Ukraine all the time, that's fine, that's okay. I don't like wars anymore than the next guy. But I'm gonna tell you what's going on in Turkey and the alliances Turkey is making, especially with a certain Middle Eastern nation that is developing nuclear weapons, should be cause for concern if you have read Ezekiel 38 and 39. Hopefully some of you are gonna run home and be like, what is he talking about? (laughs) Jesus says we can't know exactly when the time is gonna come for the end to come. But he tells us that we can be aware of what's happening right now so we can be watching what's going on in the world. And seeing what God is up to is going to help us then to be awake in another way Jesus wants us to be. In the next part of this passage, when he tells us we need to stay awake about what is to come. Verse 34. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, when he puts his servants in charge, each with his work. Isn't that what you guys do when you go on vacation? You leave your servants in charge, each with his work? The kids? Yeah. <laughs> And he commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. So Jesus tells this little story. There's a guy going on a journey, and he leaves behind his servants to run the household. And they know they better be watching They better stay awake, because they can't be sure when he's gonna come back. Nobody wants to be caught slacking. They know sometime in the future he will return, but they don't know when. So they need to be ready. So we stay awake to what's going around, on around us, and then what is going on around us can give us clues to what is to come. Remember, Jesus just spent about 30 verses telling the disciples a whole bunch of things to watch for he's like watch for this watch for that watch for this back you have an entire Bible that's got all sorts of prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled we are to stay awake and be aware of those things I'll give you an example Luke 21:20 says but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies then know that its desolation has come near We hear a lot about various troubles in the Middle East, right, all the time. We hear a lot about the hatred of Israel's neighbors for them, the rise of various anti-Semitic groups, that sort of thing. Now we need to stay awake about what's happening in that part of the world because the events of prophecy, and especially of the end of prophecy, center around Israel and Jerusalem, not around America. Do not listen to the 1970s Bible teachers who were all obsessed with how everything was all going to be about America. None of those prophecies say a lick about America. America didn't even exist. They say a lot about Jerusalem and Israel. Because in the biblical mind, the center of the universe is Jerusalem. he has a clear marker, he has a clear marker. He says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, plural, no, it's on, the end is coming. Now, if we were to go a little deeper, we would connect this to the events of, guess what? Ezekiel 38 39 which clearly have not happened yet, because everything described in there has never happened in history, but talks about armies surrounding and devastating Jerusalem and Israel. So this is why I can't be a preterist, right? I can't be someone who believes all the prophecies about Israel are already fulfilled, because all i got to do is read Ezekiel 38 and 39, or read Matthew 24, or Mark 13, or Luke 21, and go, I didn't have I mean, just as written, it it just didn't happen. If you want to try to say it happened, you've got to do all sorts of convoluted convolutions, convoluted into something that makes any sense then. Or you can just read it as written and go, when you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem, I mean, it sounds like Jesus is being pretty clear. Right? We read Ezekiel 38, it talks about when these armies go in and they're from a bunch of nations that used to be, that are now, what is Turkey, and what is Iran, yeah, anyway. for different sermons. My point is you need to to learn those things and have have somewhat of an understanding. Jesus and, and various other places in scripture give us insights into the things that we can be watching for. Even though I can't know the exact date and time of his return, but I've given a whole bunch of of prophecies to compare to what's going on in the world and thus be awakened to what might be coming. Jesus himself says earlier in this chapter, right before he gets to this part in uh, here, he says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, (coughs) you know that summer is near. So, also, when you see these things taking place, you know that He is near at the very gates. So, Jesus points out, and I notice also he said, you know that he's, first He first told you, He's going to tell you no one knows the day or the hour in a couple of seconds, but He tells you you at least know when He's near. points out that anybody with a little bit of folk knowledge about the common fig tree in Israel could figure out that summer is near when you look at it and go, the branches are budding. So, summer must be getting it's going to be fig time. Like figs? We've done really well. Especially when I add sugar to them and then grind them into a pulp and then wrap them with a little cake thing. Fig wings. <laughs> <laughs> I love fig <laughs> You just knew that. Okay? It's sort of like this. It's sort of this into Iowa terms. If I said, when the beans are looking brown, you know fall has come and the harvest is near. Now you might not know the exact day or the hour that the farmer is going to put the old bean hand on the combine and get out in the field and start harvesting them beans. But when you look out in the field and the beans are brown, you know it's coming pretty soon, right? Gonna harvest them one of these days because they're brown and now it's time. Could be any day. I may not know the exact day. Could be any day though when that happens. See, I can look out right now and I can know it can't be today because the beans aren't brown, are they? They're green. Podless. What's that? Podless. Yes, yeah. yeah, I haven't gotten what we already talked about, being aware of what's going on around us. Secondly, being willing to do the work of understanding the prophecies of the Bible. And that's being awake for the master of the house. We don't know exactly when, but we can be aware of the signs that he's given us so we can have some idea. Here's an example for you to chew on. Daniel 9, 24-27 is a prophecy about the final seven years that we sometimes refer to as a tribulation period now for that period to happen Daniel 9, 24-27. It requires that a Jewish temple exists. There can be no abomination in the temple if there's not a temple. Which currently there's not a temple. In fact, what's sitting on the temple of Mount Jerusalem right now? Anyone? Right. Masjid al-Aqsa, also known as the Mosque of Omar. That's what currently sits on the Temple Mount in this morning. Now in an article from April 4th, 2019 in the Times of Israel, the leader of the far right party of Israel, Moshe Phelan, called for the Third Temple to be constructed as soon as possible. There is a whole faction in Israel that is ready, whatever it takes, to take the mosque off the Temple Mount and build the, build the Third Temple. Now, there hasn't been any action on that project, <clears throat> but there are a lot of people that want to move in that direction. Now, in all of this, my caveat for you is the rule number one of prophecy. Does anybody remember what rule number one for understanding prophecy is? I've talked about this many times, so if someone doesn't remember rule number one, don't know how a prophecy is completely fulfilled until after it's fulfilled. But I'm gonna tell you what, if you start to see a third temple being constructed on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, your ears better perk off, right? Because something going on then, if you're aware of, if you're awake, <coughs> What's going on around? Oh my goodness, they're starting to build a third temple, and you are awake to what's to come, understanding there has to be a third temple for things to happen in the end times. Let's just say, might be time to cash in your Bitcoin at <laughs> <laughs> that point. That coming. <laughs> you can't hold it into eternity. No. The eternal kingdom does not accept Bitcoin. awake about what's going on. We need to be awake about, awake about what's to come so that we're able to discern the times. And then, Jesus' third thing is that being awake means we have to be prepared. Verse 37. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Keep awake, be awake, stay awake. So we're to be awake to what's coming, what's going on around us. We're to be awake to what is to come, and then we need to stay that way. So we need to be prepared for what's to come and help others to be prepared. Being awake means being prepared. It's not just kind of knowing, it's being prepared. You know, Paul has this same idea in Romans 13. So, what he says in verses 8 through 14. He says, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the, one, uh, for the one who loves another is fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not cover, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, same word, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual morality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratifies the desires. Now, when Paul is saying salvation is near now, he's referring to the end of the age, to the return of Jesus, because that's the part of salvation we're still waiting for. We don't have that part of salvation yet. The fulfillment of the promises Jesus has made. We don't have the kingdom. I don't have a resurrected body yet. I will like Arnie and Conan. We don't have have justice yet. The world's full of injustice. We don't have that yet. We don't have new life yet. These are coming. All that stuff's coming. Okay? But every day that goes by, the consummation of the plan of God is getting closer. Salvation is near us now when you first believe. If you believed last month, last year, last decade, last century, salvation is nearer now. Even though we don't know the exact time. when all those things will come to conclusion. So in light of that, Paul tells us some things we should do, right? And his categories there are love others and stop sinning. And then he kind of sums it up at the end there when he basically says, Put on Jesus. Live live like Jesus. If you want to be ready, if you want to be truly awake, then we need to decide to live like Jesus. That's the practical side. Being awake or being prepared. Staying awake. We learn to live like Jesus would live if he were living our life. And then we'll be prepared for his return. And we'll have opportunities to help others be prepared for his return. Remember that has a direct bearing on our eternity. Not, not in the final destination sense, but in the sense that God has promised eternal rewards as well as future responsibility based on how we live like Jesus and how we love others in his life. Salvation isn't in question. But how your eternity might work, that, that can be the reward. And we certainly cannot love others when we're sinning against them or sinning along with them. Hence, Paul's warning to stop sinning and start loving and start living like Jesus to be prepared. Because it's closer than when you first believe. So, Jesus tells us to stay awake. To be aware of what's going on around us in the world.
1: And he says also
0: we need to wake up. To the things that God has told us are going to be coming up. So I need to be aware of what's going on in the world. And on the other hand, I need to kind of know what the Bible says is going to be coming so I can, I can kind of watch out for those things. In your notes, a little, little note sheet, I gave you some resources to help you with that. Some things for further study. Some books if you're interested, or some, some videos online that you can, you can check out at the top of that talk about. And finally we're, we're living fully awake and we're going to be fully prepared when we just put aside sin and love other people and live like Jesus. Do those things and we will not be caught off guard and unprepared when the time comes for his return. Let's pray. Father, we're here this morning. It's both uh, it's Brings trepidation and excitement at the same time. Think that someday Jesus will return, because we know that there is some some pain that happens before the before the full return. We know that there's some struggle, but yet by the same token, we cannot wait to be with our Savior face to face. It's almost to be prepared by loving others, putting aside sin, living like Jesus, being aware of what's going on in the world. Especially aware of what you told us to be watching for, so that we can be ready, since no one will know the day and the hour, but we can be ready and watchful for the Master when he does come, and we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well I will invite you to stand, man to come on up. Soon, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord be with you all. God bless. Peace.